This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender-inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit-tested for all-day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hello and welcome to Saver, a production of iHeartRadio and Stuff Media. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're talking about nachos. Because they're the best. <laughs> they are. And it's that time again. We're trying to break our, our trend of not being timely. Of, of being post-timely. Yeah, we're like, we're months behind. But this time. But this time we're right on time because uh, it's about to be the Super Bowl. The big game, Lauren. Oh, so, we don't want to be sued. Oh, you can say the name. I don't think as so. long as <laughs> as long as you don't advertise with it. Like, hey, check out my Super Bowl podcast. There you go. But you that's, just did it. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. If we have to go down. I'm all right with that. <laughs> yes, and uh, we we actually are pretty good about doing the Super Bowl. I think because a lot of the foods. People have traditionally at Super Bowl parties are delicious. Well, sure, yeah. They are meant to be like these wonderful kind of indulgent, like like sort of silly things. Yeah. And as I, I've said, I think in our chicken wing, one of them, I don't watch it, but I do eat the food because that's the best. Yeah, yeah. I'll watch it if, like, I, I, I go to Super Bowl parties sometimes. Yeah. The game is usually on at right. such parties. Yeah. I might see some of it. Yeah. I might watch some commercials. Right. If someone invites me, I'll happily go because I know sure. the food and drink game will be on par. <laughs> but if it's just me for whatever reason, oh, yeah. I just make my favorites and probably watch some dorky movie I've seen a million times. Well, that's great. 
It is. It's it's all, you know, everyone has reasons to celebrate. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> and if not, we make our own. And that's wonderful. Yes, it is. And definitely the cravings are already strong. I've told Lauren oh, I'm making nachos this weekend for sure. This was a horrifying episode for cravings. Yes. Um, especially looking at pictures of nachos, it is impossible to not be hungry. Right. Oh, that's scientifically proven, and I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. But um, we are still managing to be vaguely not timely because international – wait, the, the International Day of the Nacho. Yes, specifically, <laughs> is October 21st. Yes, and national here in America, National Nachos Day is November 6th. Yeah. National Tortilla Chip Day is February 24th, so, like, we're leading up to that. We're sort of in – we're in the mix. <laughs> We're in the mix, just like nachos, a lot of toppings. Nothing is uh, off the table with nachos, but I guess that means we should get to our question. We should, we should. Nachos. What are they? Well, uh, a lot of things can be nachos, and nachos can be a lot of things. Uh, But, like, baseline you're talking about fried corn tortilla chips, um, uh, sometimes called tostadas, um, and some kind of cheese product that is in a liquid state served warm. Right. And the cheese may be in that liquid state because it's been melted or because it's a cheese sauce, sometimes both on the same pile of nachos. Anyway, uh, yeah, uh, cheddar-flavored cheese products are traditional. Um, nachos are ostensibly supposed to be eaten with one's hands, using the chips to scoop up the cheese. Um, and the, the the chips are... Crispy and crunchy and salty, and the cheese is rich and gooey. And taking a bite of something with those contrasts and texture is just pretty much just brain heaven. Exactly. That's exactly correct. Uh, But although that description may convey, like, the heart of nachos, it does not convey the nacho soul. No. The soul is in the other possible toppings and flavorings. Um, spice from jalapenos or uh, or other peppers is traditional, but anything goes from there. Um, again, like these things are ostensibly supposed to be finger food, and the chips are supposed to be the delivery mechanism of all of the toppings. And I have opinions about nachos that you're forced to eat with a fork. I've never seen such nachos. Well, just they get so soggy sometimes. They can get weighed down with the stuff. And so eventually you just have to fork it. You have to fork it. (laughs) You know, that is a key because you don't want the the chips to get soggy so they can't hold up the toppings. Right, right. And also a soggy chip. Sad. Yeah, sad. The crunch is part of the experience. Definitely. So those other toppings. Mexican or Mexican-y things are common. Um, Black beans or pinto beans, uh, corn, chopped tomatoes, onions, cilantro, avocado, uh, some kind of fresh salsa or like pico de gallo or guacamole, pulled chicken, drizzles of hot sauce and crema. Um, Also, it's stuff that Americans put on tacos, uh, like like, like shredded lettuce and ground beef and sour cream. Mm -hmm. But then... Then there is a whole other world out there. What about what about barbecue tacos with like whatever version of smoked meat and barbecue sauce you favor in your area? What? Uh, wh- what about buffalo chicken tacos with like chopped celery and blue cheese crumbles and chopped buffalo chicken fingers and ranch dressing? Ah. Uh, <laughs> What about what about other proteins like bacon or fried chicken chunks or chili or sausage of varying kinds or duck confit or steak or shrimp or crawfish or crab dip or scrambled eggs 
Well, what about olives or sautéed mushrooms or caramelized onions or hash browns or kimchi or pickled anything or uh, any kind of other cheese you can think of? What about all those things? I mean, what if you switched up the chips? Oh. Plantain chips, wonton chips, pita chips, naan chips, uh, potato chips, French fries, onion rings— I've seen a lot of spicy tuna sushi-inspired nachos with, like, wonton chips and, like, yeah. s- spicy tuna, like, yeah. chopped spicy tuna on top. I feel like we might have gotten poke nachos. Yeah, that's definitely a thing that happened in Hawaii. I yeah. think at MW. Maybe. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, I'm looking forward personally to finding some, like, spicy Indian non-nachos in person in the future. I've seen some pictures of, like, tikka masala nachos, and I want them. Ooh. Yeah. Um, And, okay, like, I probably could have just made up all of those toppings, like, with my brain, um, (laughs) and they would likely all be true, but every single one of the ingredients that I just listed off shows up in a delish.com slideshow about the best nachos from every state. So these are real examples of nachos toppings that are really out there for sure. Yes. Yes, I have seen that slideshow, (laughs) not even for this episode. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was looking for a recipe for nachos, and I did find it. So thank you, Delish.com. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> also, dessert nachos. Dessert nachos. S'mores nachos. Waffle cone ice cream sundae nachos. Dang. I've, I've said too much. <laughs> Basically, if you want to make it a nacho, you can. Yeah, in the parlance of our times, uh, nachos has, has come to mean stuff that you put on top of crunchy stuff. <laughs> yes, yes. But not, like, in a salad way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. More specific than that. Like a junk food or a snack food. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, speaking of, well, the nutrition? <laughs> uh, you know, fried chips aren't really great for you, and, and I... <laughs> I hate to remind you, but the serving size of any given cheese is is an ounce of oh, cheese. Oh, no. A single ounce. My um, cheese giving is, <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> so, yeah, n- nachos are intended to be kind of like a goofy indulgence. Um, enjoy them as a treat. You know, have a nice time. Yeah, and they're generally shared. Sure. Not all the time. Not all the time. But oh no. Generally. But generally. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, you know, anything anything in moderation including moderation as Julia Child has said. Exactly. We do have some interesting numbers. We do nacho numbers. Yes, according to one survey, the Super Bowl is the second largest day for eating in the United States. Period. Yes, behind Thanksgiving. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay, so thanks okay. Thanksgiving Super Bowl, I would guess Christmas, but I don't sure. know. All right. The average American will eat three times their daily allotted calorie allowance on the day of the Super Bowl. Wow. Yep. Not surprised. Nope. Just me impressed. <laughs> me too. <laughs> An estimated 8.2 million pounds of tortilla chips make up some of that feasting. And it's a good guess a lot of those chips are slathered in cheese, toppings. Whatever your heart desires. Yeah. Um, As of 2015, nachos were the third most popular professional stadium concession seller overall, beating out hot dogs, but falling uh, falling in line after popcorn and soda. Huh. Yeah. Popcorn. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) And you know, you know 
There's a Guinness World Record for largest plate of nachos. Of course. Of course. And it went to a university in Kansas in 2012. It weighed 4,689 pounds and 2,200 of those pounds nacho cheese. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Servings were a dollar each and the proceeds went to charity. Huh. Uh, Guinness did not confirm it, but another plate of nachos broke that record in 2017 with a 5,022-pound display uh, made with chips made from cricket flour. Okay. Like it was a stunt for Earth Day by Chirp Chips, uh, a company that's trying to get more Americans to uh, turn to insects as the excellent and inexpensive and Earth-friendly protein that they are. Wow. <laughs> that is impressive as well. There, there's, there's a bunch of nacho-related websites that, like, review nachos and discuss nachos. One of them is called Nachonomics which the author defines as the branch of knowledge concerned with the production, consumption, and distribution of nachos. Nachonomics. Nachonomics. Oh, my God. (laughs) And a couple years ago for National Nacho Day, Bustle put together a list of quotes about nachos from celebrities, mostly from, like, interviews, yeah? Um, And, okay, so uh, Neil Patrick Harris has said that in his 20s, he mostly ate burritos and nachos, with the occasional burger making an appearance. Once, when presented with a complicated math equation, um, someone asked Robert Pattinson what N stood for in the equation, yeah? Mm -hmm. And he replied, nachos! I wish. (laughs) I guess in some equations it could be. It could. (laughs) I don't think that was it. Probably not. Eva Longoria once said, nachos are usually my go-to if I'm courtside in an NBA game. I always, always get my picture taken with my mouth wide open and a tortilla chip sticking out of it. And Conan O'Brien said, we've all invested emotionally in nachos. That is a truer statement I have not heard in a long time. (sighs) Right. Mm -hmm. Oh, and apparently, no less, that John Updike once said, life is a nacho. It can be yummy, crunchy, or squishy, yucky. It just depends on how long it takes for you to start eating it. Beautiful. Really makes you think. It does. About nachos. It does. <laughs> I'm generally thinking about nachos. <laughs> hmm. And we do have some history of, of nachos. We do, but first we've got a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women, creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection, obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. Roller coaster. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, 
we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. Nachos are actually surprisingly newish. According to the work of Adriana P. Orr from the Oxford English Dictionary, and she did this whole piece on getting to the bottom of Nacho's history, and it was a delight. It, it was super upbeat, like a food mystery where everything was wonderful and it all worked out. <laughs> oh, what? Yeah, We yeah. so rarely have those. I know. I highly recommend searching it out. It was really adorable, really fun read. According to her research, prior to the 1940s, the word nacho had two recorded meanings. A Tex-Mex slang, which was a combination of naturally, of course. Okay. Nacho. Mm -hmm. The second meaning was key into Orr's discovery of nacho's origin story. And we'll get into it in a second. Mm -hmm. I don't want to mm -hmm. give away the surprise. She traced nachos to 1943 to a small Mexican town called Piedras Negras. This town was close to a U.S. military base in Fort Duncan, Texas. The story goes that about a dozen American military wives went shopping in Eagle Pass. Their husbands were stationed at the base. When they decided to stop for dinner, everything was closed. So the chef, or depending on the version, Mater D, at the Victory Club in Piedras Negras, Ignacio Anaya, decided to do them a solid. He went back into the kitchen to see what was left over, what he still had, coming up with tortilla shredded cheddar cheese, and jalapeno slices. So he fried up slices of tortilla, topped them with the cheese and jalapeno, and then baked them. Then he served them up, calling them nachos especiales. His nickname was Nacho. And that's actually how Orr got to the bottom of this nacho history mystery. She'd been inquiring about the origin of nachos at the Hispanic Division of the Library of Congress, but to no avail... 
However, a Hispanic female staff member who overheard her conversation tracked her down and told her that where she was from, Nacho was a common shortening of Ignacio, the second meaning from the Oxford English Dictionary. It just like opened all these pathways for her. Wow. She called it like the big moment in the case. That's amazing. (laughs) Yes. Other versions of this story do swap out the women for exhausted soldiers who were looking for some comfort food to remind them of home. But yes, yes, this is this is the accepted story. Right. And soon after, Ignacio's original recipe appeared in a 1954 Eagle Pass Church cookbook. It had been previously mentioned in A Taste of Texas in 1949 with, quote, Pedro left. Sometime later, he returned carrying a large dish of nachos especiales. These nachos, said Pedro, will help El Capitan. He will soon forget his troubles for nachos. Make one romantic. <laughs> Oh, um, yeah, and, uh, gosh, as we've said, the dude's name was not Pedro, it was Ignacio, but, you know. The perfect nachos recipe in that book called for one package Mexican tortillas, a small hunk of American cheese, a bottle or can of pickled peppers, preferably jalapenos, cut tortillas into triangle pieces, place in a pan, and put into medium-hot oven to toast. Remove from the oven when barely crisp, put a small piece of cheese on each piece of tortilla, replace in the oven until the cheese is melted. Remove from the oven and garnish each piece with a small slice of pickled pepper and serve. That reminds me, there are some places that do that kind of very, like, one Individual. Yeah. 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 I guess anyway, you want to eat your nachos. Oh, absolutely. Less messy for sure. <laughs> Definitely. A year before that, an ad placed by the Latin Quarter Mexican restaurant in San Antonio Light read, Nachos, parentheses, Mexican hors d'oeuvres, 35 cents. Here is a real dainty, golden fried tortilla strips, deliciously spiced, topped with mellow melted cheese and garnished with chili jalapeno bits. Here's a real dainty. A real dainty. <laughs> uh. Meanwhile, um, mass-produced fried corn tortilla chips, um, again called tostadas in Mexico, had been in development since the early 1900s, aligning with the first mass-produced corn masa. Um, The first American to make them might have been San Antonio's Jose Martinez and his mass masa company, then called Tamalina Milling Company. Um, They began frying up corn chips from leftover dough for sale as early as the 19-teens, and similar products could also be found in Southern California around that same time. Tortilla chips really caught on, though, um, when another company made a similar move to prevent product loss. Um, In the late 1940s, Los Angeles' Rebecca Webb Carranza of the um, El Zarpape Tortilla Factory uh, fried up some misshapen tortillas and started selling them. They became popular enough that the factory switched its focus to just chips. Wow. So yes, tortilla chips were on the scene. They were on the scene. Meanwhile, back to nachos. Meanwhile, in 1959, Carmen Rocha, a recent transplant to Los Angeles from San Diego, was hired as a server at El Cholo Mexican Restaurant. Since San Diego was only a couple hours drive away from Piedras Negras, she was quite familiar with nachos, and she suggested them for the menu at El Cholo. A few decades later, thanks in part to Rocha's nachos, El Cholo was an L.A. hotspot. Like Jack Nicholson was a regular there, and he told the L.A. Times after her death in 2008, Carmen was wonderful to me and to everybody. It's a community loss. Oh. Yeah. 
And while nachos were definitely a popular item, it wasn't until a man named Frank Liberto, sometimes called the father of nachos, got the idea to sell them at Arlington Stadium in 1976, then home to the Texas Rangers, that they really soared in popularity. Liberto's family was Sicilian, and Frank inherited the family business from his father, Rico Liberto, their business of selling snacks at events and movie theaters. According to the Rico's product website, they were the first American-owned concession-based business, and they got their start selling peanuts at the circus. Huh. Yeah. Hmm. He did have to tweak the nacho recipe a bit, though, because real cheese caused a bit of a problem when it came to shelf life and also required access to an oven or broiler to melt. So instead, he went with a sort of fast-foodified version of cheese that did not need to be refrigerated. He never wanted his customers to wait longer than one minute. That was a one big minute. thing for him. Oof, yeah. Okay. In the words of John Chetwind, author of How the Hot Dog Found Its Bun, quote, Liberto devised a fast food form of Anaya's masterpiece that was part cheese and part secret ingredients. The new sauce didn't need to be heated, and when it came to shelf life, it could likely survive a nuclear blast. (laughs) And by the way, the FDA does not classify this as cheese. Nope, nope. To be called cheese, a product has to be at least 51% cheese. Um, This is not uh, uh, Rico's is is a sauce. With cheddar cheese, fifth on the ingredients list after cheese whey, water, modified cornstarch, and vegetable oil, meaning it contains more of those things than it does the cheddar cheese. Right, 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 right. Despite that, people loved it. It was an instant home run, outselling every other stadium food at Arlington Stadium in 1976. Two years later, nachos made the jump over to nearby Dallas Cowboys Stadium. This was when the Dallas Cowboys was America's team, and they frequently played host to Monday Night Football. Liberto's son says that during a lull in the game, one of the announcers praised the deliciousness of this new snack called nachos. Okay, yeah. So according to the Rico's website, um, this this announcer, Howard Cosell, who I, I'm not very familiar with football, especially from the 1970s, but was like a big deal oh, yeah. kind of announcer dude, um, just loved this snack and loved that the name kind of sounded funny. And so that night when him and his broadcast team were were going through the game analysis, they just started using the word nacho all over the place. Uh, like, like apparently, like, whenever there was, like, something good that happened, they would be like, that was nacho, man! Or, like, what a nacho run that was! Or, like, hey, that's nachos all the way! Um, <laughs> so I, I guess it was just a thing. And I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And, of course, people were watching. He kept bringing them up. Yeah. And so it was a big thing in Nacho's timeline, this event. Mm -hmm. It was large. It was large. (laughs) The rate was one sale of Nachos for every two and a half patrons that first year in 1976. That amounts to $800,000. And for reference, Popcorn sold about $85,000 in that same frame. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. These early stadium nachos typically were topped with jalapenos, and perhaps the sauce contained jalapeno juice as well, which helped boost beverage sales, too, because if it was something kind of spicy, going to go in for the drink, uh, both in stadiums and theaters. 
And yeah, yeah, uh, two two things. Um, first of all, I'm not sure exactly when it hit the market, but um, but one of Rico's products is a condensed cheese sauce that vendors can mix with uh, with either water or salsa or pepper juice for serving. Mm-hmm. And frequently it is jalapeno pepper juice. Yeah. Um, and also, yes, movie theaters, because soon after their debut in stadiums, animators for Disney put together shorts advertising Rico's nachos for purchase at theater concession stands. Um, these shorts would run like during intermission, which gosh is a is a thing that I miss. I do too. What movie did I go to recently at intermission? I thought this is the best thing. I think the only one I've ever been to, except for maybe when I was a tiny, tiny child, was uh, when that recent Quentin Tarantino Hateful Eight Hateful Eight came out. Yeah. I think mine was 2001 Space Odyssey when it was Ooh. in theaters like two years ago or something. Yeah. I think it had an intermission. Gosh, I love an intermission. I do too. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. So so this so this animated short, it had it had these animated characters, Rico, Nacho, and Pepe. Um, Rico is the is the mascot for Rico's, and he's got this like dollop of cheese for a head. <laughs> uh, Nacho's head is a chip, and Pepe's head is a is a jalapeno slice. And yeah, history was made. <laughs> Rico's website calls it unforgettable. <laughs> I can see that. I'm already imagining having nightmares about this. <laughs> That's just how my mind works, though, you know. When I think of these types of nachos, you know, I think of um, I loved uh, skating and rollerblading as a kid. Oh, totally. And getting them at, like, roller at rinks, skating rinks. That's my primary association which with this particular type of nachos. Uh, I'm pretty sure I exclusively ate now and laters at, at roller rinks. Now and laters, what is that? Oh, it's a type of candy. It's um it's sort of like a it's sort of like a more it's like a less chewy starburst. A less chewy starburst. And it would get stuck in your teeth and that was why it's now and later. I guess. Hmm. Future sleuthing on that one. <laughs> but for now, <laughs> Anaya died in 1975, but his son, Ignacio Anaya Jr., took up the nacho mantle. He briefly tried securing ownership of nachos for his father, but lawyers informed him it was too late. Nacho was in the public domain. Oh, mm-hmm. Yeah, A bronze plaque was put up in Piedras Negras in his memory. Yes. In 1983, a 29-year-old man was arrested for trying to buy trade secrets into Rico's pumpable nacho cheese sauce recipe. Hmm. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, that that recipe that recipe is some serious stuff. Uh, because I mean, as as anyone who has tried to make nachos at home is aware. If you just grate some cheese onto some chips, like any old cheese, yeah, and like put them under the broiler or in the microwave, like, your results are going to be varied. Yes. Because probably what's going to happen is that as the cheese heats up, the rather than, like, like melting into, like, a beautiful gooey uh, gooey sauce, mm-hmm. like, the oil is going to separate out from yeah. the milk solids, leaving you with, like, this weird, like, kind of tough, stringy stuff and then this puddle of oil. Yeah. Bad times. Very bad. Don't want it. Um, you, can, you can solve this, by the way, with science. Ooh. Oh, yes. Let's do it. <laughs> so um, so by adding an emulsifier, for example, uh, and, and recommended by no less than the American Chemistry Society, um, you can add uh, an emulsifier like sodium citrate, um, which is a, a specialty good. It's sometimes also um, 
uh, added into sodas oh. in order to make them kind of tart. I think that we talked about it in our in our soda fountain episode. Um, but yeah, yeah, um, it's it's a type of a salt that you use a very tiny amount of, and basically it just gets in there and makes the uh, the milk solids and the milk fats. Play nice. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you melt them together with some cheese, maybe some other ingredients, check the like beer or something like that. Check, check the internet for recipes. They abound. Yes. Um, then it will help stabilize the whole mass, there, therefore preventing that gloopity separation thing from happening. Cool. You can also just buy like American cheese, which is already yeah. done bit emulsified yes. at the factory level. Yeah, because I... I remember the first time I made nachos, it was a disaster <laughs> because I didn't really think about it. I was, it, it seems so simple. Exactly. Like, yeah. I'm just going to get my favorite types of cheese and I'll melt it on top. No. Nope. No, 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 no. <laughs> that was sad. Have you ever had to pick up just a whole mass of soggy chips that have melted together and throw it away? Oh, yeah. It's sad. Oh, yeah, I have. <laughs> it's a really depressing experience. It's like the smallest and yet still upsetting version of like I don't know like a, like a horror movie like Slither or something like that where just all the bodies form together and you're like yeah. oh no I just have to throw this whole mess out now yeah and you're, you you feel around for maybe there's one chip that's salvageable it's, and it's not, not it's not because the, the the steam from the resulting mess has just made everything soggy you don't want it no no we want your nacho Adventures to be successful and delicious. Yeah, yeah, totally look up. Um, th- there are any number of sodium citrate-related recipes on the internet. It's not too late. It isn't, <laughs> depending on when you listen to this. <laughs> it's never too late to make a good plate of nachos. That's true. That's true. Even if you've had one disaster, you can recover. You can. And it's worth it. It is. Yes. And that's about what we have to say on nachos. It is. Uh, we do have a little bit more for you. But first, we've got one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. Roller coaster. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. 
Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing. Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with listener, listener, listener mail. mail. I want to read some listener mail. <laughs> Nacho Man. Yeah, Macho Man, Nacho Man. I thought it was clear what was going to happen. <laughs> uh, I, that's, you know, I'm never, I'm never mad about a surprise. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> that's very good in this line of work. Ooh, the listener mail jingle. Okay. Justine wrote, I just listened to your episode on flax linen and want to add a little fun fact. I'm not sure how popular the fairy tale Rumpelstiltskin, published by the Brothers Grimm, is outside of Germany. So let me summarize, just in case. It's fairly popular for the record, but we are always so into I know. Some summarizations of fairy tales. Or so. whatever version of fairy tales you want to send us. We're big fairy tale people. We are. Yes. <laughs> A miller boasts to the king about his daughter and says that she can spin straw into gold. In his greed, the king takes the girl, locks her up in a room filled with straw for two nights in a row, and tells her to spin it into gold overnight or he will kill her. Of course, she can't do it and starts crying when a little imp appears and offers to spin the straw into gold in exchange for her necklace and ring, respectively. On the third night, the king offers to marry the girl if she succeeds— or she will die. The imp appears, but since the girl has nothing left to pay him with, he demands her firstborn child. Gold is spun, the wedding happens, a child is born. The imp returns, claiming his payment, but the queen strikes a deal. If in three nights she can guess his name, he will leave her alone. During the first two nights, she is unsuccessful. Then, late on the third day, a servant finds a little cottage with a fire burning in front of it, around which a little man is dancing and singing. Tonight, tonight, my plans I make. Tomorrow, tomorrow, the baby I take. The queen will never win the game, for Rumpelstiltskin is my name. On the final night, the queen reveals the name and Rumpelstiltskin, enraged, 
tears himself into. We have all been there, right? Oh, sure. Oh, man. (laughs) She goes on. Now, you're probably wondering what this has to do with flax. Well, linen is a very durable material if taken care of properly. It even gets more beautiful with age. After years and years of washing and wearing, the fibers will get super smooth and a sheen will appear, making the naturally sort of straw-colored fabric look like, you guessed it, gold. This phenomenon may be what the whole folk's tale is based on. Huh. I had yeah. never heard that about Rumpelstiltskin. Me either. And I completely forgot about that whole aspect of it, of turning your hair into gold. Oh. Or the straw into gold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very, it was a nice reminder. Thanks for sending. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Oh, um, Adam wrote, Greetings, new fan of the show. I'm a cooking coach and personal cook, and one of my specialties is using and combining things from the cupboards. When I heard you say no snacks on hand, I thought, wait, what? And then you've recently had a sponsor for one of the very things that I'll bet will help you out the next time you have peckish guests. Take some of your beloved peanut butter. Mix with a sweetener like honey, powdered sugar, chocolate chips, and a thickener like a rolled oats, crushed cereal, coconut flour, or flaxseed meal. Then... Add textures and flavors uh, like your flax seeds, dried fruits, other nuts, shredded coconut, etc. Chop, crush, and toast the flax seeds to make them more digestible. Bonus points for combining multiple savor episodes if you use graham cracker crumbs in your peanut butter bites. Mix, roll into bite-sized bits, chill if you can wait, and serve to doubting but soon-to-be-celebratory guests. Also, 60 seconds in a food processor can turn a can of beans into a hummus dip to go with crackers, cheese, veggies, bread, etc. Thank you for helping me maintain my friends. Aww. They will be very I actually have them coming over this weekend. Aww. So <laughs> this is much appreciated. Absolutely. Well, always. I mean. Oh, my gosh. Anything with peanut butter through a variety of sponsorships and trips, <laughs> I think I will never have to buy peanut butter again. And that's a wonderful thing. I'm very excited about it, but I'm very happy to get more peanut butter recipes. I I gave away so many. I, I shouldn't really eat peanuts, and I gave away so many jars of peanut butter, and still donated like like eight yeah. jars mm-hmm. to my local theater, and uh, that has people ca- anyway. Yeah, so many jars of peanut butter. So many, and if any any listeners want to send in some recipes. <laughs> Always welcome. (laughs) Not just for peanut butter. Always welcome. Thanks to both of them for writing in. If you would like to write to us, you can. Our email is hello at saberpod.com. We're also on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where our handle is at saverpod, and we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio and Stuff Media. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. 
Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds.